Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, this should be, I think, slightly easier show. It's Thursday, everybody. We've got a Wednesday to recap. We got a short Thursday to preview. Let's dive in. It is Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation. And this, if I had one, is where I'd play a cool intro video, but I don't have one. So, to that end, if any of you guys out there are watching and want to do something fun, put together like a little intro thing for Fantasy NBA Today, I'll probably use it. Because, uh, technically speaking, I think I'm pretty good with audio. I am a bit of a... What's the word I'm looking for? Bit of a boner when it comes to video. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. I got this board behind me. I got the camera right up there. I don't even look at it at all. I don't look at it all that much because I got all these stats flying around. But I'm doing my best, damn it. And uh, I can use your help is basically where I'm going with that. Not that busy of a day. But I want to get into it anyway. First things first, find me over on social at Dan Bespris. I know a few of you are doing so every day. And for that, I am grateful because the more we grow there, the more we can push people back here. It's this positive feedback loop that goes through YouTube and podcasts and Twitter and sports ethos. And so it all just kind of floats each other. And so every little bit that you guys do counts. So a follow on Twitter, a like button push, a subscription button push, whatever it happens to be. Grateful for all of them. They all really do help. Every last little bit is important. As far as yesterday goes, it feels like the story of Wednesday was kind of that it was like the day for the fill-in injured guy. Kyrie Irving was out, and two Celtics were out, and the list goes on and on. So let's just hurry the hell up and start talking about some of it right now. Dallas beat Washington, and I've got some thoughts on Washington, but let's talk Dallas first. No Kyrie Irving. I think they figured this was basically a scheduled rest day for him. I know they can say it was his foot or whatever they want to talk about, but this was an easy win against a team that's actively trying to lose basketball games. The Wizards are basically a scheduled W right now. I know the Pistons actually technically have a worse record, and the Grizzlies have the same record as the Wizards, but only one of those three teams I think is trying to lose right now. And so for Dallas, this was an opportunity to just get Kyrie a little breather. And what did we get in the meantime is Derek Jones, who apparently has gotten rid of the junior. I was unaware of that. He had a good ball game, but I'm not going to do anything with it. Derek Lively had a really nice ball game here. He's been very up and down. He is, this doesn't move him off of schedule stream type guy for me. This very nice ball game bumped him back up to number 106. So he's not far from being an everyday guy, but it's just hard to know. Like if the big ball game moves you up to the edge of the top 100, the bad ball game drops you back towards top 150. That to me is like a very strong schedule play. And I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand and one. He reminds me a lot of Nick Claxton before he figured out how to convert all of that stuff into consistent fantasy appeal. My worry, of course, is that Maxi Kleba eventually gets healthy, which apparently, that may never happen, actually. Maybe we shouldn't even worry about it. But at some point, Kleba might get healthy. Then you've got sort of the three-headed monster. Right now, there's only Lively and Dwight Powell, which is an easier path to minutes. And even still, it's very up and down. But I also kind of get it if you guys want to just sit on him, because there's an upside built into him that you don't find on the waiver wire all that often. Right now, he's a schedule stream kind of play, but that's not that doesn't preclude him from taking a small step forward. And if you somehow were like, okay, well, Dan, I can guarantee you he'll play 25, 26 minutes a night, I'd probably keep him at that point for whatever that's worth. Tim Hardaway Jr., 31 points in this ballgame. He's on a pretty vicious roll to start the year. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how long it's going to last, but you go with it while it's going. He's number 91, and it's not going to get a whole lot better than that because he doesn't get any defensive stats. He doesn't really rebound or pass. It's all points and threes, and to his credit, he's gotten those two things so far this year, so 
derp a derp. All right, Washington, it's time for you to uh, feel my wrath. The wrath of an angry podcaster. There's just nothing quite like it. You won't. You don't know pain until you feel the wrath of an angry podcaster. So I say to you, Washington, shame on you. Shame on you, Washington, for tanking so hard. For tanking so hard in a way that is so flagrant to anyone who watches 10 minutes of Wizards basketball that it hurts us. And the silly thing is that you're bad enough, Washington, where you don't have to do shenanigans. But they're doing shenanigans. Denny Avdia, 24 minutes. He was a plus one in this ballgame, by the way. 15 points, three boards, four assists, three steals, three three-pointers, five out of six shooting and two free throws, made them both. That's a guy that should have been playing 32 minutes in this ballgame. Or at the very least, like 28. I know it's a blowout loss, but good God, let him play a little bit. Tyus Jones, he was a minus a lot, but also we need to remember the lineups he's a part of. He was six out of seven shooting in this ballgame. 22 minutes. Daniel Gafford, 5 out of 6 shooting, 10 points, 9 boards, 23 and a half minutes. Kyle Kuzma, 6 out of 18 shooting, 30 minutes. Jordan Poole, 6 out of 17 shooting, 32 minutes. And the more hilarious thing, forget the total number of minutes. I don't know if you guys got a chance to actually watch the progression of this ball game. I have trouble watching the Wizards live on a television because they're really, really bad. They were down 23, was it? 24? Something in that neck of the woods. I can't remember if it was 23, 24, or 25. And there were about eight, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's a time when most teams just go ahead and wave the white flag. But oh no, not the Wizards. They put Kuzma and Poole back into the ball game just to go chuck a few. Which, if you got those guys in, like, a points format, you probably were thrilled to see them back in the ballgame. But for every other, for all intents and purposes, this is a ball game that the Wizards had already lost by the time we got to about the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And then they were like, you know what? Let's put our two horses, that's air quotes, by the way, for those that are listening and not watching, horses back in the ballgame so that, I don't know, they can get a few more shots and feel less annoyed. Because right now, it feels like, and I have no actual verbal or written proof of this, but if you watch the games right now, it feels like the Wizards are running out lineups on purpose that they know are going to stink. They haven't shown any inclination to change to that to this point, 10, 11 games into the season. And what's more... It almost felt like there was a contract with Kuzma and Poole in the fourth quarter of this ballgame to say, you know what, I know we're down by a ton, but we promised that you guys could go play 30 minutes, uh, and we promised you guys could each get like 15, 16 shots or more. So you get back in there, take a few shots. It's almost like Kuzma and Poole were like, we know we're going to be really bad this year, and we're okay with that, and we'll, frankly, we'll lean into the bad. But... You know, don't don't bench us. Don't play us 23 minutes a game. That's not fun. We want to go play basketball, have some fun. This is the, like, go have fun minutes, which is normally given to the backups, the garbage time guys, the young guys, to see what they can do. And instead, it was given to the two main usage guys on the team, but not the three other guys in the starting lineup that were having, I don't think it's all that hard to argue, better basketball games. Corey Kispert got 26 minutes. I don't know. Maybe they think there's still something there. He feels like just a floor spacer. Bilal Koulibaly is the one that they're interested in going forward. He's a guy that they took earlier in the draft. Uh, Early-ish, I guess. Uh, 10 points, 8 boards, 2 assists, a block, and 2 three-pointers. Um, if you're playing him right now, you're praying that they continue to just sit as many people as possible, and let him get through. I do still think there's a lot of this tied to DeLon Wright being out. No, I'm not super confident that, as we've been calling him, Cooley can keep it going day after day after day. He has a better fantasy game than a lot of the guys on this team, and he's going to be heavily rostered 
in competitive leagues because it does sort of look like he's doing stuff right now. It feels to me like we're, I don't know, maybe later this year? I don't think that it's something that sticks right now. But there's certainly some upside built into him uh, because the field goal percent isn't bad. Uh, he can rebound. He can get a few passes into the mix. Not a not a massive assist guy by any stretch. He's more of a more of a wing than anything else. And he's got good defensive stats. We've seen that so far too. So would I stash him? Uh, I don't think I'm all the way there yet. And I know that I might run a little bit late on this one for being skeptical. And I'm kind of okay with that. It just feels to me like at some point the Wizards are going to be like, okay, we are safely one of the worst teams in the NBA. We've racked up enough what I've called the pre-tank before when teams are tanking early in the season so that they don't have to rest all their guys down the stretch. The Wizards are going ahead and just racking up L's in October, November. Okay. At some point, they're either going to have to trade Tyus Jones or play him a little bit. Same kind of story with Daniel Gafford. I don't know, honestly, why they've kept some clamps on Denny Avdia so far. It seems like he's been one of their more consistent players, but he's only at 26 and a half minutes. Avdia is one of the guys on the team I'm starting to trust more and more. I was skeptical of him at the start of the season, but he's one of the only guys on the club that can both pass and shoot and play a little bit of defense. Yikes, what a team. No Giannis. No problem. Dame went for 37-13. and 13, Got himself to the free throw line a whole bunch of times. And one gigantic ball game was enough to move Dame from, what, he was in the 40s or 50s, now he's at number 28. I think he might be the biggest positive impact free throw shooter in the early part of the season, and that's something that could stay close to holding. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's free throws are down by a pretty good chunk, although he's... Still the number one player in fantasy because of two and a half steals per ball game. But uh, this isn't about Shea. This is about Dame, who uh, I had as a buy low on yesterday's podcast, uh, second podcast, or Tuesday's second. That was Tuesday's podcast. And now you can't. Sorry. Brooke Lopez was also a buy low. And now you can't. And that's the thing about these. Like, something in my mouth. That was weird. Um, you have a limited amount of time on a buy low. The window extends for a certain length. We don't know how long it's going to go, but we know enough about guys to know where they're going to be. And for Lopez, the block, the shot, blo the shot blocking is outstanding. Um, a lot of his stuff is still, I think, on its way up. And with yesterday's seven-block game, he actually pushed himself out in front of his ADP. His rank is now 66 in nine-category leagues. That's about 10 slots in front of where he was drafted. He's been largely healthy so far. He played 33 minutes in this game, eight boards, four assists. Still isn't even really making his shots. Rick Lopez is shooting 40.5% from the field and 69 at the free throw line. He's an 80%er free throw for his career. He's much closer to 50 from the field. And I get it. A lot of his shots are three-pointers this year, but you're still looking at mid-40s for him. So just as that stuff starts to move, you've got even more room for growth. Malik Beasley at eight three-pointers. We know these games pop up for him every once in a while. He is no more than a shot-in-the-dark stream play. You're hoping you're getting some threes out of him. Bobby Portis, on the other hand, actually does look like a pretty good play right now with Jay Crowder out. He's getting a lot of minutes. Points and rebounds is definitely going to be the main stuff for Portis. You're not going to get a lot else out of him. Uh, but his roster ship also jumped from like mid-50s to mid-70s over the last couple of days. So if, if you're trying to look for him now, you're probably too late. You kind of had to do it after that first good game when Crowder went down. Or you had to have him before that, and then now you're getting lucky. Because he wasn't a 9-cat guy, and now he is. Jakob Pertl did not start the second half, but still actually had a better ball game. 13-11, four steals, two blocks. The defensive stats has always been the stuff with Pertl that you knew was going to come around a little bit. Yesterday's game pushed him up to number 113 in nine category leagues. That's good. Uh, he's still at only point or 1.9 combined defensive stats. That's a number that I think could continue to rise for him. 42% free throw tends to be a riser. I don't know that Pertl's necessarily a, necessarily a buy low type, but I feel pretty confident that if you just wait it out, it'll be okay at the very worst. Not to say that he's going to, again, blow the roof off the building, but he'll be okay. 
Scotty Barnes bounced back. I think he had one or two kind of quiet ball games. This pushed him back up to number 10 in uh, in 9-cat. One of the most surprising things so far is that Steph Curry is number 11 in 9-category leagues. I have no idea how that's the case with 31 points and 5.63 pointers under his belt. But again, that's the type of insane crap you got to be doing to be near the top of the board right now. It's out of control. Whatever. Um, with every passing day, Scotty Barnes looks more and more like a guy that can actually stick inside the top 20. Again, I don't think 3.3 defensive stats holds for him. Um, maybe maybe high twos is a possibility, but again, it, even as just some of that stuff starts to erode, that ends up being kind of a big deal here. But we've seen enough to know that he's going to be better than his draft slot. So I was way too low on him. I'm, I'm not saying fade Scotty Barnes the rest of the way. I'm saying probably comes back to earth a little bit, but not that much. He feels like he could be a second rounder or, or better all season long at this point. Provided he stays healthy, and he has generally to this point in his career. The uh, Dennis Schroeder cooldown has begun. I This is not gloating because I'm still wrong. So I want to make sure that that's very clear. But when he was inside the top 50, and I was sort of, you know, blink, blink, blink sound effect, I started to feel like a real big idiot. Because I don't usually miss by that much on guys. We all miss a little bit. You know, we analysts, we stare at this stuff day and night, day and night, 365 days a year. We try to get a lot of it right. And I think our hit percentage for those that are like me, staring at this stuff all day, every day, is better than most. But it's never going to be 100%. And I thought, all right, well, I've seen enough of Dennis Schroeder's fantasy game to know that in a big starting role, he's still, I mean, thinking back to his Oklahoma City years, he was still kind of sitting just outside the top 100. And that's why I didn't really go for him, because I thought there wasn't a like a giant upward jump coming. And when you're a pick 105, 110, 115, you're looking for somebody that you think can get into the 70s or something like that. And so when Schroeder was in the 40s, I thought, oh, crap, like, where did this come from? But the threes have come down. The steals have come down. The field goal percent has been low, lower than expected, honestly. Uh, and he's just sort of settling. Where he finishes is still as yet to be determined. And this game was basically a blowout. You didn't see full minutes for mostly anybody on the Raptors' side. Like, you know, Siakam only played 29 kind of thing. So it's possible that Schroeder can work his way back up a little bit. He was part of a unit that was just getting decimated. And maybe he does stay in the 80s this year. So that would still be me being too low on Dennis. But at least it would only be a miss by, like, 25 instead of 70. I feel a little bit less nutty. Think of that Austin Powers scene. It's a bit nutty. Boston beat Philly without two of their guys. And I don't I mean, this not a great look for Philly. Al Horford filled in for Kristaps Porzingis like a boss. 14 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, 5 blocks, and 4 three-pointers. How did Big Al pull this one out of a hat? I have no idea, but damn it. If Porzingis sits, or frankly, if Tatum sits, because we've seen they, they'll go bigger, Horford is a play. When someone sits, Horford plays. Jalen Brown was also out of this ballgame. Sam Hauser got the start. He'd been red hot lately, but he didn't do much in this ballgame. And I think, again, if you're playing him, you're mostly just hoping for anywhere from two to four three-pointers. Technically, you got that, although if you've played him to fill in for Brown here, you probably hope for a little bit more. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from 
you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Nope. And then, of course, Derek White did a whole bunch more because a couple guys were out. And he's going to be bouncing around in the uh, upper echelons of strong fantasy play this year. Cool. Philly side, uh, no Nick Batum for a second game in a row. They're expecting him back for their next one. Rob Covington did manage to put together a better showing here and uh, came up with 16-6 with only a, two steals. I almost thought that you know 37 minutes you'd see more defensive stuff from Rocco. He's not a guy you're picking up. Batum was the better fit. I think you'll see Nick slot back in there. I like Batum as an ad in 9-cat Roto. He's a tougher ad in head-to-head because he's going to get games off and he's going to almost definitely play himself into an injury. DeAnthony Melton has all the room in the universe to operate right now. He had five more three-pointers as he rocket boosts his way up the board after a very slow and painful start. Melton now up inside the top 140. Little by little, we jump. But... And I don't want this to get overshadowed by any of our other analysis, but some news on Kelly Oubre dropped. And they're hoping to have him back in the next two to three weeks, which is way faster than any of us expected when both Woj and Shams tweeted that he was expected to miss significant time. That's not significant. Two and a half weeks? I mean, that's a... That's a medium ankle tweak for a lot of these guys. Although there was also a news report that came out yesterday saying that he the the info that Ubre gave to officials about where he was involved in the uh, pedestrian hit and run was inaccurate. I don't know what the hell turns out from that. As I learn, I'll rem- I'll relay it to you. Uh, but that's weird. Hopefully, it doesn't have any impact on anything. Anyway, hold on to Kelly Oubre, because it sounds like he's not going to be out nearly as long as we expected. Unfortunately, my Nick Batum love is uh, forcibly tempered a bit by the fact that he may only get two to two and a half weeks of value, but I think I'd still probably take it. And to no one's surprise, Tyrese Maxey finally had an I'm human ball game, and he fell to gasp sixth in nine cat. He's going to have an amazing year. But some of the stuff he was doing just simply wasn't sustainable. A block a game, probably not sustainable. Um, 30 points per game, probably not sustainable. That's not to say that you fade Maxi, because right now you're not trading him for anything worse than like a top 18 player. And frankly, you might just feel better about yourself to ride it out if you got him at 40 or whatever the hell you drafted Tyrese Maxi. Uh, but either way, I'm okay with that. And either way, we knew he wasn't going to be a top four, five guy the whole season. It just it requires too much of everything consistently all season long. And there just aren't that many guys that can do that sort of thing. All right, move along. Knicks beat the Hawks 116-114. Good ball game here. Uh, Josh Hart filled in for R.J. Barrett again. We still don't really know what the hell uh, Hart's role is going to be. Quentin Grimes, as YouTubers can see as we flash the bubble up on the screen, hurt his hand late in the fourth quarter. He's questionable. The the Josh Hart good news there is that he probably just slots down and takes Grimes' starting spot if R.J. Barrett comes back and Quentin is out. Well, I guess maybe you could see Dante DiVincenzo slot in there. Basically, all this to say, I still don't know if Josh Hart is going to play 30 minutes a game off the bench when the Knicks have a competitive basketball game, because we haven't had all of those boxes checked like in two weeks, like one time. They had like one competitive game where he was coming off the bench over the last two weeks, and I think he played 29 or 30 minutes in that game. But I can't reliably point to that one example and say, ooh, there it was. We know he's going to play 30 minutes. No, one out of one time. That's the ultimate in small sample size theater. But if he does, he has... Way better fantasy potential than most of the clowns you guys are picking up and dropping off the waiver wire. So we have to hold him to see what happens. Emmanuel quickly, uh, I mean, laser focused on three categories. Points, threes, free throw percent. That's all he's going to get you. He is very fun to watch and he's a good basketball player. But from a fantasy standpoint, he makes way more sense as sort of a build guy for head to head. Um... If you need points, if you need threes, if you need free throws, Roto 9-cat, 
He's not really the guy unless Jalen Brunson has to sit a game. So, you know, maybe you can hope that that happens at some point. And it will, I reckon. And when Brunson sits, you'll probably want to throw quickly in there because likely he'll get the start in that game. And then you know he's getting 28 minutes like he did yesterday. And then you know something good's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Julius Randle finally busted out of his uh, absolutely awe-inspiringly bad start to the season. He'll be fine. He's not a guy that I target, but he was obviously a buy low after that terrible start. For Atlanta, Bogdan Bogdanovich is on a serious heater to start the year. He's getting defensive stats. He's number 48. He's playing way over his head. Those one and a half steals are not going to stick. Two defensive stats is not going to stick. The other stuff is kind of repeatable. So look at the numbers here and try to figure out, do you think Bogdan can maintain, not last night, he had 28 points in the ball game that lifted him back up a little bit, obviously. Do you think he can average 14-3-3 with two and a half to three three-pointers, even if the defensive stats come falling way down? I think the answer is sort of like a soft yes, and that puts him inside the top 100, maybe even inside the top 85. So I don't know that I would punt on Bogdan if you can trade him for someone ranked 75 to 85. That's probably the sweet spot. And if you can't, you probably just stick it out and see what happens. Sadiq Bey had his second consecutive better game off the bench, but that's just sort of when he's shooting the ball well. So no, I'm not doing anything with him. Uh, DeAndre Hunter needs to remain on your waiver wire as long as Trey Young is in the mix. The should I drop Okongwu questions have resurfaced here again. Guys, everybody, please. He is right where he was last year, mid-70s in 22 and change minutes per ballgame. You are waiting out the inevitable Clint Capella injury. He'll miss a game. He'll probably miss 12 to 15 at some point this year. In those games, you're going to get top 40 production out of Ondiak and Okongwu, and the rest of the time, as you're seeing right now, you're going to get between 70 and 100, or 70 and 120, and that's all playable. We move on. Orlando got a game winner from Boncaro. Alex Caruso says, no, that shouldn't count. Alex Caruso says he traveled. I have to admit, I actually didn't watch the play. I got too many things going on. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, 17 minutes. That's close. It's close. And he didn't sit out the back-to-back, by the way. That may be more notable than the 17 minutes. I am about 45% of the way to a Jonathan Isaac pickup. I'm not there yet, and I don't think anybody's going to race you to the waiver wire for him right now because dude's averaging how many minutes per game? 13. But guess what? He's better in 13 minutes than a lot of guys are in 24. And if, if Isaac can get to 20... I'm going to say it again, repeat myself a thousand times. If he can get to 20 minutes, he is an auto add. You don't even pause the second. Frankly, if he gets to 10 minutes and a half, he's an auto add in nine cat roto. He's a much tougher add in head to head, but if he's actually trying to play back to backs, that's a huge deal. So think about it. He's probably not all that heavily rostered outside of like maybe deep keeper leagues and stuff like that. Head-to-head, you don't need to get out in front of this one. Roto might a little bit. Keep a close watch. You're not picking up Goga Batadze. He and Mo Wagner keep trading off interesting games. You are definitely holding on to Jalen Suggs, who even in his down ball games, which I think you could argue this was a down ball game, he's still so damn good on defense. I don't know that his shooting is ever going to get better than 39%. He's not a very good shooter from the field. Uh... I would argue, like, well below average, actually. But he did get up to 42% last year. And frankly, I would take 42% right now. I'd take it. But the free throws have improved for Suggs. Um, The playing time has improved. That's probably the biggest thing. And then the defensive stats are sick. 2.7 per game right now. I will not call them stocks. Chicago. No DeMar DeRozan. He missed this one for personal reasons. People are really being mean to DeMar. You guys know that he's ranked inside the top 45 right now, right? Like, everybody's saying he's having a horrible season. I would argue, yeah, it hasn't been a great start for him uh, because he's shooting just 43% from the field, and he's still inside the top 50. 
I don't know what you guys thought you were going to get. He's like the safest fantasy play on earth. Even if he gets traded, he's the safest damn fantasy play. Um, Alex Caruso, good to see him back. We know if he hits 30 minutes, he'll have to miss a week with an injury, so he played 24 and a half in this one. And he's almost every day right now, almost every day, the Bulls' best player. Best at offense? No. Best at defense? Yes. And just best overall. Someone asked for my opinion on Kobe White, which hasn't changed at all, basically forever. Every time you think he's turned a corner, he hasn't. I can pretty much promise you this. He had five points, a rebound, an assist, a steal, and a three yesterday on two out of ten shooting with three turnovers. It was one of the worst fantasy lines of the night. He's number 184 in nine category leagues. He's not even a build guy. Like, oh, what if you need X? Well, what is it exactly that you need? He's averaging four assists. That's basically the only thing he's doing that's well above league average. And by well above, I mean by like one assist. Now, it is worth noting, if Chicago blows it up, Kobe White would benefit like crazy. He and Patrick Williams would basically be auto ads if DeMar and Zach Levine get shipped out of town. Alex Caruso would be an ad too, but he probably gets shipped out of town next. So that's the only reason that I wouldn't go crazy for Caruso, who basically belongs on rosters right now anyway. Kobe White is your, I'll stash this guy until the trade deadline play. Don't do that. He'll ruin your team between now and then. But be, like, get the trigger finger ready on that one because he's the guy in that spot. Otherwise, yuck. That's my thoughts on Kobe White. Minnesota, I thought they would play a better ball game here. They were too tuckered out after the Warriors game with the brawl and the late comeback and all that stuff. I was wrong. I, I thought they'd have energy. They didn't. Uh, Anthony Edwards shot 4 out of 16. You could tell. There were really like two guys on the team that were completely exhausted yesterday, and uh, that was Cat and sort of Jaden McDaniels because he got tossed early the game before. Uh, no, no valuation changes on that Minnesota side. Um... Everybody seems fine. They played low minutes because it was a blowout. Don't read too much into it. And then the Suns, who, yes, you got really nice games out of Devin Booker and uh, Kevin Durant. I don't know why my brain farted for a second there. The uh, They're still a downer because we were supposed to get the big three together. And Bradley Beal was like, nah, you know, my back's kind of sore. Woke up, back was sore again. It seems like it might be a lingering and kind of annoying thing. We have no idea what this team is going to be yet, so just keep on waiting. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, the Kings beat the Lakers handily. Lakers are another team that I don't think is going to play all that well on a back-to-back. -back. They're a little old. LeBron was actually pretty good on this back-to-back. -back. He was a uh, zero. Uh, a net zero is a zero plus minus in a game his team lost by 15. Um, Anthony Davis was the problem. And you guys know I love AD, but he just had nothing in the tank yesterday. He didn't attack anybody at all on offense. The three free throws, the five turnovers, just absolutely brutal game for AD. And he's going to wear it. And he should wear it. And, and to me, this isn't at all like the opening day game. And I don't want to get too sidetracked by Lakers because you guys know I like to talk Lakers. This is a fantasy show. They're fine. Lakers are 6-6. Six and six. You know, they're they're right in the mix for whatever. Uh, their first game of the year, remember, AD got kind of punked by Nikola Jokic. Um, okay, great. Like, Jokic is the probably the best player on the planet. And he's still, AD still had 17-8-4 in that ball game. This one, to me, is a little bit less acceptable. I, and and Demonis Sabonis is an excellent basketball player. I don't want to take anything away from Sabonis. But he's, like, AD should be able to go right at him. We are seeing in these two games that Anthony Davis doesn't really want to attack the strong, stout centers on the other side. That's a softness that I, I don't think plays for the Lakers now the hope is that he wouldn't operate that way in a playoff game but like 
that's now a, a little bit of a, I know, again, small sample size stuff, but it's a little bit of a theme here this regular season. Uh, looking at the rest of the Lakers games, what are the other ones where the Lakers actually played like a big stout center? I, I don't know that there was one, you know. Um, I don't think you can call Yusuf Nurkic that. He's very slow-footed. Uh, Lakers have gotten clubbed in both games against the Kings, although AD was much better in the previous one, which is, you know, why that one went to overtime and was a tighter ball game. But, like, he can't shy away from these games. Sabonis had uh, the best fantasy line of the entire evening, but the story on the Kings' side is twofold. Number one... Malik Monk, only 21 minutes, and this was the fear for me. I didn't think he was going to get enough playing time with De'Aaron Fox healthy. He didn't. By the way, you want to know how much the Kings wanted this game? They played their main guys 39, 38, 38, and 39 minutes. Yeah, you think they wanted this one? Big rest advantage, too, for Sacramento. Huge rest advantage here. Uh, and that played in. They play, got to play their guys big. The other story is Kevin Herter, who's on a vicious heater right now. And you should ride it, because his heater has carried him up to number 63 in 9-cat. Uh, it'll taper off at some point. Like, he's not going to get 16 shots every ball game. There will be days where Keegan Murray gets more. But right now, Herter's hot, and so he's trucking. Also, don't read too much into the fact that the Kings had 20 steals last night. Literally everybody on the damn roster seemed like they got two or more. This was just a really ugly game uh, from in terms of taking care of the basketball by the Lakers. Reeves, LeBron, and Anthony Davis combined for 15 turnovers. You know who was pretty good for L.A.? Cam Reddish and D'Angelo Russell in yesterday's ballgame. D'Lo played well, uh, and Reddish played well. D'Lo's number 55, by the way, in nine-category leagues. Reddish is on a pretty good little run right now. Uh, I still can't possibly tell you guys to pick him up because the Lakers are waiting on Jared Vanderbilt, and he's the kind of guy that would get in and split minutes in a game just like this one where they'd want to stick Vanderbilt on, you know, Fox or Herder or something like that. And those are the guys that Reddish is chasing right now. Now, to Cam's credit, he's played himself into some value in real life with defense, with corner threes, with uh, playing passing lanes. But Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent are two guys that are going to shave his minutes I would say considerably, because they would want Gabe chasing someone like a Herder or a Fox in a game like this one, and instead they had to go to somebody bigger like Cam, who, again, good at playing the passing lanes, but just has no prayer of keeping up with Fox on a speed game. And the Cavs blew out the Blazers. The final score was within 14, but this game was over uh, a bit sooner than that. Uh, luckily, both teams managed to wedge their starters back in for a little bit at the tail end. And you pretty much got what you expected. No Darius Garland, so Karis LeVert had a better ball game, got 17 shots off the bench. Uh, Max Struess got his dozen shots, his line being weighed down by a weird five turnover game, but otherwise everything is good there. Jared Allen had 11-9 with three blocks. Uh, 29 minutes for Jared Allen, still dealing with this sort of weird nebulous minutes cap. I can't make up my mind if I want to buy low on Allen or not because I don't know how long the minutes cap is going to stick. You probably could do it. You could probably get him for like a top 50, 60 guy right now, and I feel like that's probably worth it. What's he ranked at the moment? 112? Yeah, his minutes aren't there yet. Maybe you could even get him for a 75 range guy. That would be worthwhile because you've got to kind of know he'll get past that. And then Karis LeVert is a go. He was a start even when the team was healthy. And he's an easy start when one of the two main offensive cogs is down. And then for Skylar Mays, kind of the only storyline in Portland right now is whether or not you're playing Skylar Mays. And this is sort of what I warned you guys about because he doesn't do all that much stuff besides typically get assists. So if the assists aren't there, there isn't a whole lot to float his numbers. I still think you play him 31 minutes out of a starting caliber point, starting caliber, a starting point guard is sufficient. And a uh, weird bad game from DeAndre Ayton, but he was sort of due to have a bad one. He's still number 36. Don't worry too much. I think the, the target for him was inside the top 50, and it still seems like he can probably hang out in that range. We'll see. But I'm not too worried after one bad ball game. There's a weird disconnect happening right now with Shaden Sharp, though. I had... Uh, 
I sent a tweet out yesterday asking folks who they thought was sort of like the sharpest draft picks in fantasy basketball. And a bunch of people said Shaden Sharp, which I looked at and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I looked closer at his numbers and I thought, oh, that's actually not that interesting. That's a that's a points league answer because Sharp is shooting terribly from the field. He's at 40.5% on 15 shots a game. That's going to crush you. Steals and blocks are fine, but not spectacular. 19 points is good. The rebounds at 5.5 is fine. The assists are fine. The threes are fine. But the problem is that he has these things that are kind of sagging him down. And actually, Sharp right now is ranked 142 in 9-cat. So technically, he hasn't even been a startable player in 9-cat roto leagues. If you're punting field goal, he is. And frankly, if you're punting turnovers, he's probably a startable guy because that's one of the reasons that he's super low is that He's not doing enough really good stuff to counterweight the three turnovers per game. But, like, I'm looking at these ball games and I'm thinking, what are people seeing that I'm not seeing? He's not a drop because he's playing so much that you kind of have to just wait and hope that some of this percentages stuff sorts itself out. But he hasn't been nearly as good as people feel like he's been because there's been a few good scoring games mixed in there. And that, once again, illustrates the goofiness of fantasy basketball in that uh, somebody's scoring will always cloud your judgment of whether they're good or bad. Every damn time. Every damn time. All right, that's what happened yesterday. Uh, next thing on the docket is what's happening today, which is a relatively short card, just two games TNT time. We'll go ahead and make the font bigger for everybody watching on YouTube because uh, there's room on the screen for it. But before I do, I want to remind everybody to please come hang out with your buddy Dan Bespris over on social media at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Feel free to get some questions into the chat room. I think we'll probably have about 10, 12 minutes to do uh, Q&A today, but I do have a lot of things I want to get through, so I'm not running too long on this one. Also, shout out to our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use coupon code ETHOS20 to get 20% off your order. Get yourself a lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. 5.0 is futuristic. It's crazy. Seriously, you're going to love it. Skin-safe technology is the good stuff. I've actually fallen in love with the handyman. You guys know I have all of these things just stacked in a pile just to the right of my my office, question mark, chair. This is a bedroom, by the way. It's a bedroom that I'm using as an office. Go check those out. That actually means a lot as well. Keep our buddies over at Manscaped happy. We can keep getting sponsors on the show. That's another thing that allows me to continue to do more and more pods, sponsors, likes, subscriptions, views, YouTube revenue, which is pretty small these days, but we're taking it as we grow. And then, again, hang out with me over on social at Dan Bespris. Tonight, I'm going to have myself a real good time. Yeah, I was going to do Queen there, but... Oh, that was a good old-fashioned coughing fit. Again, guys, I may never get better from this cold. Um, I remember I had symptoms on Halloween. That's 17 days ago. Seriously, I may die from this, but we'll do it. We'll die talking about fantasy basketball tonight. Is Spencer Dinwiddie going to be good enough with Ben Simmons out? I'm still inclined to say no. Perhaps with both... Simmons and Cam Thomas out. That might be the key here. I have him on exactly zero basketball teams, and so I don't really have to worry about it all that much, but I do feel like we needed to mention it, even in passing. The Heat is all Tylo, Tylo, Tyler Hero-related fill-in information. It feels like Duncan Robinson is the answer to that question. Kyle Lowry had a good one, a couple of bad ones. Aime Akez had... Uh, like three decent ones. So consistency, interestingly, for the young fella has been pretty good so far. But it does feel like it's Duncan Robinson because he's going to be out there and he's going to be chucking threes. And he's sort of a big part of what the Heat need to do with that slot on the roster, which is create spacing for Bam and Jimmy Butler. And 
with no Max Struess around anymore, that kind of has to be Robinson. Well, no Max Struess and also Tyler Hero hurt. For the Thunder, my only question is, can you get anything for Lou Dort? I feel like the answer is no. I know he's having a good start to the year, but I don't get the feeling that anybody believes it's real. Even the casuals don't believe this is real. He's ranked number 43, off to a really great first three weeks here, like a, an absolute play right now in fantasy while he's getting defensive stats and shooting 49% from the field. But we also know these things just aren't Dort. Dorshan would be, I think, the, um, is that the adjective version of it? Dorshan would be a much lower field goal percent and uh, far fewer blocks and even far fewer steals. I know he's good defensively, but the steals are almost never there. It's like he's taking all of Jalen Williams' steals so far this year. Can you get a top 90 guy back for him? I feel like you could get a top 90 guy back. When everybody's like, I can't get anything for Lou Dort. Maybe it's because you're aiming for like 65. Nobody believes he's going to be 65. But maybe you could go get like KCP, which is not at all exciting. But from now until the end of the year, I'd probably rather have him. Could you get Draymond? Probably not. Almost too much name value there. So I get it. This is a hard one to pull off. Is there someone that you like that's slumping really hard? Could you switch him for, like, Chris Paul or Jalen Williams or Jared Allen or one of these guys with name power that's in the 115 range? Ah, uh, I doubt it. Worth a try, at the very least. And then the Warriors. Uh, Draymond suspended five games for his Rudy Gobert chokehold. Steph is still out with the uh, knee sprain. Is that where we're at with this one? I think so. Um, the report was that they're hoping to have Steph back pretty soon. It feels like he has to miss at least a week with this thing, though, doesn't it? Like, rushing him back, I, I get it. You, no Dre, no Steph. The Warriors basically stand no chance in almost any of these basketball games. Who are they playing soon? Warriors are 6-6. Six and six. They've got the Thunder here. Two times in a row, actually. Today and Saturday. Probably going to lose both of those games. Then they got the Rockets, who are actually kind of decent. Then the Suns. Then finally the Spurs next Friday. Steph may be back for that one. If Steph is back for something in there, there's a chance they could avoid going on a prolonged losing streak. But I think they've lost three games in a row right now. And it's probably going to get to four or five with those main dudes out. The questions on Golden State are relatively straightforward. One... Who's the center at? Is it Kevon Looney or Dario Saric? Because they might need the offense enough right now to flip it over to Saric. When Steph is in there, they tend to go more defense and rebounding with Looney. But no Steph means, like, what shot do they have if they're going defense at the center spot? Clay and Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins, three Sir Slumps a lot so far this year. Those guys can't do it. Saric is the only guy on the team making shots right now. So the answer to that question is, I don't really know. Those guys may end up splitting minutes, and maybe that's not good enough for anybody, and you get kind of the Batadze-Wagner thing going on. The things that I can tell you I know to be true are Chris Paul, you got to play, see what happens. Clay, you got to play him, see what happens. And frankly, even Andrew Wiggins, who is in a deep, deep, deep hibernation right now, you've got to play him too. And he may hurt you more than he helps, but... He's going to have to take at least a dozen shots with all of these guys out. And he's going to have to play 30-some-odd minutes. And he's going to have to get a few rebounds. And so you just sort of have to do it and pinch your nose and close your eyes and whatever it is and just hope. Because isn't that what we all want is a little bit of hope? Let's do some questions. What do we got? What do we got? We'll start at the top. We'll do, I don't know, a few questions. Thoughts on trading away Michael Porter Jr. for James Harden and 9-cat Roto. Would you do it? Yes. Would you drop Melton, Lavert, Shaden Sharp for Jabari Smith? Maybe Shaden Sharp. Maybe Lavert. Probably not. I don't think that any of that... Like, Melton's playing too well right now, so he's a hard no. Lavert, Sharp, Smith... I don't know that any of those guys is going to make or break your basketball team. Jalen Brown and Keegan Murray for Lowry Markinen. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You can go if you can get a second rounder for those two guys paired. I think I'm good on that. 
Should I sell high on Melton before the efficiency drops down again? Depends what you get, because his overall rank still hasn't caught up after the really, really bad first two and a half, three-ish weeks to the two very good ball games since. But, you know, if he has two or three more good ball games and he gets himself inside the top 80, then, yeah, you could probably try to move somebody for it. Although, it does kind of feel like now that he's playing well, maybe you just enjoy it. Between Austin Reeves and Max Struess, who do you think has better rest-of-season value? I was thinking offering one of those guys for Jared Allen. I think you offer either of those guys for Jared Allen, and I think either way you're probably feeling good about your decision. Um, Reeves certainly has more versatility than Struess. His turnovers are going to be worse. Um, I do think the field goal percent probably trends up for Austin as we've been going here. Struess is certainly ranked higher right now. Either way, I think that's a good decision. Greetings from London. What's up, dude? Bruce Brown, Trey Jones, Mike Conley, or Jalen Suggs? Rest of season. It's probably Conley in nine, Cat. It might be Suggs in other formats. I don't think it's Brown or Jones right now. Dan, what do you think of trading Mitchell Robinson for Chris Paul or Mike Conley? Um, You know what? I think I actually prefer Mitchell Robinson. His field goal percent is still on the way up, and we still haven't seen full Mitchell Robinson block mode yet. Like I think He's at 93 right now in 9-cat, and I think he gets at least another 15 to 20 slots higher. I don't know that uh, CP3 or Conley finishes inside the top 75. And Conley's around there. He's 64. Um, but I do think his field goal percent comes down a little bit. And then Chris Paul, I think, is just outside the top 100. His field goal percent is super low, so he probably trends upward a little. But I feel like Mitchell Robinson might actually be your best of those three, believe it or not, for 9-cat roto at least. Dan, what should I do with Marcus Smart? I want to trade or drop him in a 14-teamer. Yeah, 14-teamer, you got to hold. He's hurt right now. I know he's not playing all that great. Memphis is terrible, but... Don't drop, and you're not going to get enough for a trade when he's hurt. Someone offered Lillard for either Cat or Ant in Roto. Uh, I actually prefer Lillard in Roto over those two other guys. Is Draymond a priority add? Yeah, I mean, if you can squat on a dude for five games, that's a that that's a definite yes. He's a top 100 fantasy play, so uh, absolutely. What are your thoughts, Dan, on Jabari Smith Jr.? Would you trade him away to get Scoot Henderson? We've gone over this Scoot stuff a bunch of times. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be a lot safer between now and February, and I mean that might not still be inside the top 100. Scoot is probably going to be horrible between now and about the trade deadline, and then you kind of hope that he picks things up. Over the entire season, Jabari Smith is probably going to be a higher-ranked fantasy play. From the last, like, six, seven weeks of the year, Scoot has a pretty good shot to pass him. So that's how you grade that one out. Drew Holiday has been decent this year, besides scoring, which was expected to go down. He doesn't fit my team build, so who would you look to trade him for that boosts points? Holiday, I think, is around 50 right now, right? Yeah, he's number 53. Um, Michael Porter Jr. should give you a three or four point boost. Guys nearby. Um, D'Angelo Russell should probably give you a three to four point boost nearby. Who else could you get that scores a little bit more? Uh, those are probably the easiest ones to get your hands on. You might be able to get OG Ananobi when he comes back. He's probably going to give you about a three point boost. I don't know that you could get Jalen Brown, but that would be a much larger points jump. I doubt that someone would give you Jalen, though. You might be able to get DeMar DeRozan. Everybody's freaking out about DeMar right now, but he'll definitely score more than Drew Holiday. couple more questions. I got things to do today. I can't sit on this thing the whole day. Would you trade Chris Paul to get Jordan Poole? No, I don't want Poole. What round value should I ask for Lowry? Meaning, who would you want back for him? Freddie Van Vliet is the question also. That's not my suggestion. Uh, no, you can get way more. Lowry Markkinen is number 13. If you're trading him away, you want someone inside the top 20. And if you're buying him, it's going to take somebody inside the top 20. 
What are your thoughts on Jeremy Grant for Brooke Lopez? Uh, I prefer Brooke Lopez, but I play nine-cat Roto. If you play a points league, you probably want Jeremy Grant, um, but his percentages are very low, and there's really no guarantee that they come back up, although it does feel like they both trend up a little bit going forward. Jeremy Grant this year is a whole lot like Kelda Johnson, and that's just not going to be enough to get it done. I was too high on him because his efficiency stinks. So, uh, Brooke Lopez is the answer there. Should I drop Cooley? Uh-oh, here comes a cough. Should I drop Cooley? God, this damn thing. Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, or Wendell Carter Jr. for Kobe White or Derek Lively in a Roto League? Or Lowry? Um... You probably want Lively over Coolably right now? Eh, you can probably just stay put. Jaron Jackson Jr. for Evan Mobley and Jalen Johnson. I think I prefer the JJJ side. Any chance of Ahmed Thompson having any value by the end of the season? Short five injuries. Uh, nope, I don't think so. Houston's winning games right out of the chute. And there's a lot of guys in front of him in the pecking order. Would you give up Mobley, Trey, and Garland for Tatum, Ozar Thompson, and Malcolm Brogdon? So Brogdon's the throw-in. So it's basically Evan Mobley and Trey Young and Darius Garland for Jason Tatum and Ozar Thompson. No, I think that's a bit of an overpay. Although it's not as far off as you'd think, but it does really upset the balance of your team. I think you have to think of it from that standpoint more than anything else. Points League, should I trade away Jalen Johnson or Terry Rozier to get Jordan Poole? Nope. I traded Gobert and DeJounte Murray for Damon Clint Capella. Is this a good move? That's fair. I think you might have been able to get more, but it is fair. I just traded DeJounte Murray and Herb Jones for Jimmy Butler. Do I? Am I right to be happy? Yeah, I'm good with that. What do you think of Keegan Murray rest of season? Top 75. I think he's going to be pretty good this year. Tyus Jones and Gordon Hayward for C.J. McCollum. I mean, we don't know how long C.J. is going to be out, but uh, if we think he's going to be back within the month, then that's probably fine. And, geez, there's so many questions. There's no way I'm getting to all these. Guys, you got to get these things in. Oh, here we go. Thai food or pho? I'll go pho on that one. I'll go pho. I like pho. I like soups. I like soups. Um, let's see here. Let me try. Uh, I can't. I can't jump out of order. All right, last question, guys. Sorry, that's all I got time for. Um, Tobias Harris and Jakob Purtle for DeAndre Ayton. Which side wins? It's probably Harris and Purtle. I think Tobias. You know, provided the Sixers don't get a star in the next couple of weeks, he may just beat Ayton alone this year. So, um, yeah. Nobody, I know people don't want to hear it, but Tobias Harris is a very good fantasy player again. They just need to get Harden out of the way. And that's it. That's all I got time for. Sorry, guys. Um, I know there's a lot of questions in there, but uh, I can't do them all. We're at almost an hour here. Um, I need to go get a haircut, but there's like a 80% chance that we'll have a special afternoon episode. So definitely subscribe so you don't miss that one. A very special guest may be a part of said afternoon episode. And I just got to make sure that schedules align before I announce it, which I'll do over on social media. And I hope you guys will find me there at Dan Vespers. Like, rate, subscribe, do all those things that, again, take you four seconds a day. I'm putting an hour into it, sometimes two. Your four seconds means so much compared to my hour. It's really amazing how like how little it takes to do a big thing. So please hit the like button while you're here. And if uh, no matter where you're taking in this content, please hit that subscribe button. And then if you want to find me on social media, uh, I'll actually try to make it even easier. If you're watching, this will be the easiest thing. If you're listening, I'm fairly certain that my Twitter handle has been in every single episode of this show forever. But there it is in the chat room. There is the link on the screen. You can just click that so you don't even have to type it yourself. And I'll see you over there later today. Also, I hope stay tuned.